couple of weeks ago, I started a new series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's our helper. And I don't know about you, but dude, there are times I need help. Like every day. Are you with me? Every day I need help. Uh, sometimes I feel like this. My favorite cartoon character when I was growing up right there. Oh, Wiley Coyote. Anybody remember Wiley Coyote? You know? Man, I felt sorry for this guy. Uh, he was always getting the bum end of the stick, you know? That cotton-picking roadrunner had his way with Wiley Coyote every episode, and I always felt sorry for the guy because he was always in a mess. But Tim, I can relate to that. Because like every day, I'm just like Wiley Coyote. I'm holding up my little sign, help, I need help. But you know, here's the great thing. God has given me help. I've got all the help I need. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever. So here's the deal. No matter how tough life gets, I don't have to try to do it on my own. God is helping me through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news, church? We have a helper who comes along beside us and helps us. We can't live life without the helper. In fact, Jesus didn't save you just to give you a place in eternity in heaven. No, he saved you for a life of faithful service right here on planet earth. And one of the ways the spirit works in us and through us is by what we call spiritual gifts. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, spiritual gifts. It's the helper, the Holy Spirit, who dispenses the spiritual gifts to believers within the church. This is all found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let me begin with the first two verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2. Paul said to these church members, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That is, I don't want you to be uninformed. And apparently they were either uninformed or they were very ignorant when it came to the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. He went on to say, you know that you were Gentiles. That term Gentiles means you were unsaved. You were without Christ, without hope, lost and dying and on your way to hell. You were Gentiles. You were carried away to these dumb idols. However... You were led, but they were following false idols. They were walking down the wrong road, the road that leads to destruction. Now, a little context here. There was a whole lot of confusion in the church of Corinth about the work of the Holy Spirit and also about spiritual gifts, how those gifts functioned in an individual's life and in the church. The challenge was that many of the believers in the church of Corinth had been dramatically saved out of a life of paganism and idolatry. And yet they were ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit that comes through the life of a believer through spiritual gifts. And you know what? Bottom line is, a lot of us are ignorant. A lot of us are uninformed when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, in our church, and specifically concerning these spiritual gifts. Now, let, let me go back just a little bit. Jesus promised that when he ascended back to the Father and went to heaven, he would send us the Holy Spirit. 
Right? Remember that? He promised, when I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit who's going to be your helper. And here's the promise Jesus made. The Holy Spirit will help you to do greater things than I did. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you do greater things than I did. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I've read that passage, I've just been a little confused. I mean, how in the world could we do greater things than Jesus did? Because, I mean, Jesus was the man, okay? Jesus could do anything, and Jesus performed all kinds of awesome miracles. He lived an extraordinary life. So what in the world did Jesus mean when he said, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit and he is going to cause you to do greater things than I did. Well, the bottom line was, Jesus, as great as he was, was limited. He was one man, even though he was fully God, he was also fully man, and he was confined to this human body. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus could touch people and change their lives. He ministered to people, and he changed their lives. But you know what? Jesus was limited in how many he could touch. Millions of us, millions of Christians, millions of churches put together can touch a whole lot more of people than Jesus was able to touch. I know that Jesus, when he was here on earth, he fed people. Physically, he fed people. Remember those stories? Feeding five 1,000, 10,000, 12,000 people. Wasn't that awesome? But you know what? Millions of us can feed a whole lot more than what Jesus himself fed. Jesus could teach. He was a great teacher, and he taught a whole lot of people. But millions of us can teach a whole lot more. Are you with me? Jesus reached people with the gospel, and he made disciples, but millions of us can reach a lot more people and make millions of others of disciples. One of the ways in which we are enabled to do that is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us by the Spirit who dwells inside of us when we're saved. So the Holy Spirit is working in all believers He's working in every one of us to continue the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ himself. So God is dwelling inside of me by his spirit. Okay? When I got saved, when I received Jesus as my savior, the Holy Spirit moved into my life. And he immediately became what? My helper. He's my helper. And he dispenses gifts, spiritual gifts, to people. God gives every believer at least one spiritual gift. Maybe you have several spiritual gifts that you have been given. But God has given these gifts through his spirit so that we can share God's love and his work to others who need to hear and know the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me go on reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go down to verse number 4 and read through 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
We're going to find out in a moment there are at least 20 different spiritual gifts. There are a variety of gifts. There are a diversity of gifts. But it is the same Spirit who gives all of these gifts out. And it is the same Spirit of God who has orchestrated, get this, he's orchestrated the body of Christ at Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church on March the 31st, 2019, with the membership we have and the diversity of gifts that we have within this church. That, that is amazing to me. That there is such diversity here, but at the same time, there is unity. And again, all of that is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. So to sum it all up, here's what verse number 7 says. And verse 7 is our key verse for today. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That is, these gifts are given to the church so that all of us, as members of the body of Christ, can profit. So let me show you this morning how the Holy Spirit how the Holy Spirit helps to accomplish all that Christ intended for you to be and for you to do because he's given you the helper, all right? Number 1. Spiritual gifts are given personally to every believer. Look at verse number 7. Now to each one to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit personally gives to each one of you a spiritual gift. When you got saved, guess what? He gave you that gift. You are to unwrap the gift and use the gift. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he's given you personally a spiritual gift. So let's do a timeout. Everybody do this with me. Timeout, timeout. Let's do a timeout. What in the world is he talking about spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Well, let me tell you what a spiritual gift is not. A spiritual gift is not a talent. Okay? Now, all of us have talents, right? God's, God's created all of us to do certain things really good. But both believers and non-believers have talents. Okay? Uh, for example, music ability. Both, both Christians and non-Christians can play instruments and sing. They're talented in that way, Right? Okay? Now, some people think they're talented musically, and they're not. <laughs> That's kind of the sad thing, all right? But, you know, it, 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 it is, it's a talent, right? Some people are talented, talented athletically. Anybody been watching Mar March Madness? Anybody watch games last night? Anybody, anybody into that? Okay? How about them Red Raiders from Texas Tech? Woo-hoo, baby. You know, I went to Tech for a year, you know. That's, that's, that's kind of my school. I was so excited to see them win. Can they win it all? Well, yeah, they can. They're the Red Raiders, man. You know, some of those guys, are just, they're just not, they just got a great shot. Man, just drain three shot, three-point shots, man. They can dunk. Man, I'll tell you what, that guy from Duke. Zion, man, up yeah, not just something such. He's a man playing with boys. <laughs> and, you, you know, he comes, he comes on tonight. I'm going to have to record that and go home and watch that because, man, that, I like watching that guy play. Man, you know, but you know what? That's a talent. You have a talent, right? What's your talent? Maybe, maybe you have a talent of balancing a straw on the end of your nose. I, 
You know, I don't know. Some, some you, but a talent is not a spiritual gift, all right? Everybody has talents. Not everybody has a spiritual gift. Only believers do. Nor are spiritual gifts those attributes of Christ's likeness that we should be working on every day. Remember, we talked about those from Galatians just a couple of Sundays ago. Faith, hope, love, meekness, kindness, gentleness. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And we should be working on those every day of our life. But you know what? Those are not gifts of the Spirit. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, I I gave you a definition. Here it is. A spiritual gift is a special attribute given by God's Spirit. That's our helper, the Holy Spirit. He dispenses them. To every believer, every Christian gets a gift according to God's grace. And again, it's all because of God's grace that we're saved, number one, but also that we're given a spiritual gift. But also notice this. These gifts are not for our own personal benefit. They are given to us to build up or to edify the church. So your gift is not just for you, it's for the rest of us to use to build up the church. Now, they are given by the Spirit through God's grace so that no one can think they have been marked out for special status because of the gift that they have been given. I understand there are some gifts that are just more visible than other gifts, but yet just because they're more visible doesn't mean that they're more important. Okay, I don't know why, but God gifted me to do what I do. I'm, I'm called to be the, the pastor, the preacher. And so every week, you see me and you hear me. I have a visible gift. But you know what? My gift is no more important than someone who has an invisible gift that you don't see, that, that is done behind the scene. In fact, if you read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul compares spiritual gifts to body parts. Remember that analogy that he uses? He says, you know, some of you say I'm the hand, others say I'm the foot, and, you know, the hand's not any more important than the foot. He said some parts are visible, other parts are are internal, and you can't see them, but yet they're just as important. I tell you what, I'm glad that my kidneys are functioning. I can't see them, but I'm sure glad they're in there. I'm glad that my heart's pumping this morning. Because, Don, if my heart wasn't pumping, I wouldn't be here. I could do without my hand. I can't do without my heart. I could do without my leg. Now, I wouldn't like it, but I could keep on living without my leg. I couldn't live without my heart. So all of these body parts are important for you to function. Okay? And when one of the parts are not working right, the whole system shuts down. That's what happened to me last Saturday night. I got a stomach bug, and the whole, the whole system, sh- well, it didn't shut down completely. <laughs> Tell you what, I was sick. As, I was praying. There was a point during the night, so last Saturday night, I was praying for God to go ahead and take me to heaven, you know? You know, you just get, the whole system shuts. It wasn't working right, and the rest of my body was saying, please get well, stomach, please get well. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So every part is important. And spiritually speaking for the church, every one of you are important. All of your gifts are important. Whether it's a visible gift or an invisible gift, it's all important. You see, as we obey the commands 
of Christ given to all believers, we will discover that, that we're really effective at some of these activities that we're all supposed to be doing. For example, we're all called to be a witness for Jesus. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you've been saved, automatically you're recruited into the army of witnesses for Jesus. We are to testify for Jesus, right? I mean, it's just part of the package. You let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. But maybe, maybe you, you just have this special thing when you start talking to somebody about Jesus. I mean, it just, it's just, it just flows out of you. It's kind of like uncontrollable. And you're really good at talking. Even a stranger. You go up to a stranger and just tell them about Jesus. Explain the plan of salvation where they clearly understand it. And I mean, it lights your fire up when you're telling people about Jesus. You love to do it. And you're good at it. And people respond and are saved. You know why? It's your gift. Are you with me? That's what you've been gifted in. We're all called to love one another, right? And to serve one another in love. Are you with me? As a believer, that's what we do. We love people. We serve other people. But for some of you, man... I mean, that's, that's your niche. You, you really are. You, you have this thing about hospitality, and, and you love to just serve other people, and you love them with the love of Jesus, and it lights your fire. Well, you know what? That's your gift. Maybe, okay, maybe it's in the area of finances or in the area of time. We're all to be good stewards, right? We're all to give. As a believer, did you know that? You are to give. 10%, it's what the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. It's not yours, it's His. But you know what? Some of you, not many of you, <laughs> not many, but some of you, man, I tell you what, you just can't give enough. And you're not limited to 10%, 15, 20, 30, 40%. I know people who give 50% of their income to the Lord. Why? Because it's their gift. They love giving, not just of their money, but of their time and of their self and of their substance. It lights their fire to give. Yeah, they've just been given that gift of giving. Now, there are, as I said, about 20 spiritual gifts listed in four different places in the New Testament. My job this morning is not to give you that long list. I want you to go home and read these passages. They're found in four different passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. It'll give you the, the list of all of these gifts. But it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, a verse I want you to see, notice this. All these, that all these gifts are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one as He determines. So the Holy Spirit determines which gift you need and what gifts our church needs. And He dispenses those gifts and gives them to people who are a part of this church for His glory. Your spiritual gift or your gifts and the role you play in our church is important. It's important to God, to the kingdom, and it's important to the rest of us. Let me try to show you what I mean by this. Let's say that, that you're a mama and you got four kids at home, four, four children, and uh, you don't want to do it, but you got to go to Walmart. You're out of groceries 
And so you take the four kids to Walmart, and they're all little kids. Can, can anybody remember? Oh, my lens. And so you got the four kids. You're at Walmart. The, the cart is full. Kids are going. And you've made all the promises you can make. You know, Susan, you, you promised everything. We'll go get ice cream. Blah, 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 blah. And so you finally get finished, and you're at the checkout line, and you look around, and there's a kid missing. You've only got three instead of four. And it's your, your little daughter, and she's not anywhere around. She's just a little girl, four years old, five, and, and she's missing. And so you go into panic mode, and you call the manager of the store, and they look everywhere through the store. They, they've looked everywhere in this Walmart, the bathrooms, the, the, the back stalking area. They even, I asked, I asked Zane the other day, where would a kid hide at Walmart? He said, in the ball rack. I said, the ball rack. He said, you, you know, the big rack in the middle aisle with all the balls in it, you know? They even emptied the ball rack out, and your kid wasn't in the ball rack. The police were called in. Ambler alert, Amber alert was sent out. They searched everywhere for your child, but they could not find your child. Finally, the police said, just go home. We'll, we'll contact you. We'll let you know when we find something. And you go home, and you are so distraught, you don't know what to do. Later that night, you get, you get a knock on your door. And you open the door, and there is the manager of the Walmart store, and he's got this strange little girl standing beside him. And he says to you, we are so sorry that you lost your daughter at our store today. Will this one do? <laughs> Could this one take her place? Could that one take your daughter's place? Absolutely no. Your child has a place in your family that no one else can fill. Nor would you say back to that man, it's okay, I got three others. <laughs> I mean, I don't... No. Every child in your home is important. Why? Because they are a member of your family. Are you with me? By the way, they did find your kid. You were delighted when they brought her back. She went out through lawn and garden down the street into somebody's backyard and was jumping on their trampoline, all right? <laughs> but everything is okay. I hope you get the point I'm trying to make to you. So it is with the members of the body of Christ. We're a family. Amen. Every one of you are needed here. God has uniquely gifted you as a valued part of this church. And I'm saying this with all the love that I have in my heart. But if you are missing from this fellowship, it is unacceptable. Amen. I mean, I, I can't say it any, any other way than that. It is unacceptable. Why? Because you are hurting the kingdom of God when you're not here and you're not a part. You're hurting God. You're hurting this church. Why? Because every one of you are needed in the body of Christ. God has dispensed a spiritual gift to you through his Holy Spirit. And you are to use that gift, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of this church. And if you haven't unwrapped your gift, or if your gift is in your back pocket and you're sitting on it, or if you're not here to use that gift within the family of faith, you're not benefiting the kingdom of God, you're not helping God, you're not helping yourself, and you're not helping the church. Look at me. You are important. You are important. You are valued. 
You are needed. God thinks so much of you that he has dispensed a spiritual gift in your life to be used for the benefit of this church. And that continues with point number two. Spiritual gifts are powerfully given through the Holy Spirit. Again, look at verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. These gifts are called the manifestation of the Spirit, meaning that the gifts are deposited in us by the Holy Spirit. And they reveal the work of the Lord God in our church. It is a supernatural thing that God has done inside of us. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he has given to you through the helper, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has dispensed a spiritual gift inside of you that you could not do in and of yourself. It's a gift from God. You know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be standing back and all saying, wow, can you imagine that? That God would do something like that for me? The spiritual gifts are a result of God's powerful working in our life. And they result in God powerfully working through us to minister to the needs of other people. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6 says, There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now notice that word working. If you could hear the word working spoken in the original Greek, it would sound like the word energy. They are given supernaturally, and they are energized supernaturally. A spiritual gift is not just a desire. A spiritual gift is an ability given to you by God. God not only gives you the desire to minister to people in a particular way, He makes it effective through your life. He he gives you both the desire and the ability to do whatever it is He's called you to do. Let me try to draw a picture for you of how this works. There are some people in our church, a few people in our church, who have the spiritual gift of wisdom. And, and to me, wisdom is a, is a pretty unique spiritual gift. It really is. People who have this, this wisdom basically see things from God's perspective that, that maybe the rest of us are blinded to. I don't know. But some of you have the gift of wisdom. And I have discovered through the years that, you know what, I, 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 I'd say I, I'm a wise guy. But sometimes I don't have that gift of wisdom. But I've identified people in our church who do have that gift of wisdom. So when we come to a big decision uh, for our church or for me personally, I'll always take it to these people who I know have the gift of wisdom. And I'll lay the whole thing out and then I'll say, what do you think? And then I am always amazed at the way God works through them and gives me a plan or an idea that I hadn't thought of on my own. And when that happens... I say to myself, wow, that came from God. That was wisdom from God. And you know what? We all benefit from that person's wisdom. Now, they may not really see all this. They may not know how powerfully God is using them. But you know what? That is the power of God. 
And it's coming into that equation. Let me, there's bewilderment on your face, so let me try to illustrate it one other way. Some of you have the spiritual gift of teaching. And you can take the, the Word of God and teach it in such a way as other people will say, I get that. Ronnie Fox has that gift. You, you're a great teacher, Ronnie. Thank you for being a great teacher. Ronnie can expound the Word of God in such a clear way that, that the people in his class walk away saying, I understand that passage now. Why? Well, let me tell you, it's not a Ronnie Fox thing. Right, Susan? It's not just a Ronnie Fox. Come on. Right, Susan? That's a God thing. That's Ronnie's spiritual gift. And so when he's teaching the Word of God, it is this powerful spiritual equation going on. The Spirit of God working in Ronnie's life to produce... The Word of God in an explainable, understandable way so that the church can grow and benefit from it. It's a powerful thing. It's a God thing. In this way, the spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. They reveal the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Whenever these gifts are in operation, they are not hidden. They are manifested. So, God's spiritual gifts are given personally, they're given powerfully, and then finally, number three, they are given purposefully to strengthen the church. They are given for a purpose. Look at verse 7 one more time. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, or as the New King James translation goes, for the profit of all. These gifts are given to the church for the profit of all of us. When we are living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, faithfully using our spiritual gift or gifts, other people are going to be helped. This is the way the church becomes a really special place. This is the way we become a supernatural place where God's Spirit is working and God is doing something. There are a lot of churches out there today. People aren't using their spiritual gifts. They got them in their hip pocket and they're sitting on them. And you know who is suffering? Everybody else in the church. The church is suffering. Now I've discovered that those gifts that God gives are particularly effective when God has tempered those gifts through humility. There, there is absolutely nothing worse than an egotistical Christian using their gift and pouting up their own gift. You know? Look at me. I have the gift of encouragement. Let me encourage you to be just like me. <laughs> Let me vomit on you. Okay? No. No. It's, it's not the way gifts are given or used. And, and, and it's best when we understand that through humility. And sometimes, sometimes God has to take us through difficult things and teach us hard lessons so that we can then minister to the body of Christ. There's a verse I always use at a funeral service. It's 2 Corinthians 1.4. Paul says that God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from Christ. So are you following what Paul is saying? 
Paul is saying, I've gone through a whole lot of pain in my life. I have faced all kinds of trials and difficulties. Physically, I've been in pain. Spiritually, I've been tormented. But you know what? It's all for a reason. God allowed me to suffer the way I have suffered so that I have a unique perspective on other people who are going through that kind of suffering. And I can give them something that maybe another church member or another Christian over here cannot extend to them. I can give them a level of comfort from God because I've been through it before. Now, guys, I'm telling you, I don't like going through stuff, but it's always for a reason. I, I, I really don't like telling this story because I know it makes my wife sad and uncomfortable, but I, I see a beautiful picture here, and I've got I've to draw this picture for you. Uh, Angie's uh, family uh, lived in, in Corning, Arkansas when she was a little girl, and a tragic event rocked their world and changed their family on April the 6th, 1972. That was 47 years ago. Angie was nine years old. Her daddy, Glendale Archer, was a deputy sheriff for the Clay County Sheriff's Department. On that particular force was the sheriff. Uh, Glenn was a deputy, and then there was one other deputy. Uh, Glenn Archer, I don't know, your dad was like 34 at the time, I think. Great man. A good family man. He loved his family. Everybody loved Glenn Archer. Uh, great, great singing voice. Play any instrument. That's where Angie gets it. He was a great athlete, Callie. He was a super softball player. Could play basketball. I always tell my friends, my kids got their athletic ability from their mama. Really, they got it from him. He was a great athlete. He'd been on the uh, Sheriff's Department force for four years. There was this mean man who lived up there close to Corning. His name was Bert Grissom. Mean as a snake. Mean to his family, mean to his neighbors. He hated the sheriff of Clay County. In fact, he told the sheriff publicly numerous times, I'm going to kill you. So on this Thursday morning, April the 6th, 1972, his grown daughter called the sheriff's department and said, Daddy's up to it again. And she called in a domestic disturbance. Well, it was dispatched, and these three men, all in their own sheriff's vehicles, pulled into the driveway about the same time. And they all three got out of their vehicles and headed up towards his front door. Bert Grissom wasn't in his house. He was in the barn with an arsenal of guns. And he opened up first with a 12-gauge shotgun shot all three of these men. Glenn and the sheriff died instantly in the driveway. The third deputy sheriff was wounded, spent 10 days in the hospital, and he died. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what the Archer family went through. It changed their life. Peggy, happily married, wife, mama of five kids, it rocked her world. Y'all had good friends. There was, there was a, a, a family, a man and a woman, who moved out of their house and moved into Angie's house and helped Peggy with those five kids for one solid year. Can't imagine. Wes, I can't imagine 
what she went through. I can't imagine how that changed the dynamic of their family. But you know what? It did. And I'm not here this morning to try to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's really no explanation for that other than the fact we live in a fallen world and there are mean people like Mr. Grissom out there that will do mean things no matter if they've... It doesn't matter if he had guns or not. He would have found one way to do this because he's mean. And it changed their life. And I hate it, for my, I hate it that, that my wife grew up without her daddy. I hate it that my kids have grown up without knowing him personally. But on the flip side, can I tell you something? I have seen, I have seen a blessing from all of this that, that, that just kind of blows me away. Because I have seen my wife minister to people in ways that I don't have the ability to minister to them. I have seen her sit down with, with small children and middle-aged kids and teenagers who have lost a parent or a dad and be able to communicate with them and to comfort them in a way that I can't do it. I've seen her sit down with a, with a wife, with a mother who's lost her husband and share with her things that, that, that I don't even understand or know about. So please understand and hear what I'm saying. Yes, bad things are going to happen in your life. And yes, you're going to have to go through some tough stuff. But you know what? That's just life. That's just, it's going to happen to all of us. Don't become bitter. Don't let anger consume you. Understand that even in these bad things, God is working for your benefit and for the benefit of others. And there will be a time you will be able to take that lesson that he has taught you and use it to teach someone else. You'll be able to take that comfort that God comforted you with and share it with somebody else. Because it's not just yours. It's ours. I like what the great British preacher Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, God gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. <laughs> and what truth there is in that. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So these gifts are not for your gratification, nor are they for your glorification. No, they are received to serve others. Or as 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, they are for the profit of all of us. So there it is. God God gives us these gifts personally, powerfully, purposefully. And we are to take them and use them for the benefit of of his kingdom. Now, let me wrap it all up by giving you these three things. Put these down in your notes. Here, here's what good all of this is. First of all, discovering your spiritual gift. When you discover your spiritual gift, it will reveal your unique purpose in life. When you figure out what gift God has given you, and when you figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing within the church and the kingdom of God, all of a sudden you go, wow, this is awesome, man. 
This is what I was made for. Okay? And can I tell you something? There, there is nothing... There is nothing that this world has to offer that can bring the same gratification and satisfaction that using the gift God has given you within the church can give you. It's awesome, man. It, it, it's, a, it's a blessing, not only to others, but to you. You finally say, man, this is why I'm here. <laughs> so, understanding your spiritual gift reveals to you your unique purpose in life. Number two, Understanding spiritual gifts help you, helps you to appreciate other people within the church. Now, I'm going to talk more about this later, but the source of conflict in many churches is that, you know what? We, want, we expect everybody else to be just like us. We want everybody to think like us, to, to, to act like us, to be like us, to be passionate about what we're passionate about. And, and when, there's, when they're not, you know, there, there's that conflict that goes on. No, there are a variety of gifts given. And all these different gifts are given by the same Spirit to be used for the benefit of this church. And so, you know what, I'm thankful you're passionate, you are for what you're passionate about. That's great. But maybe you're passionate about discipleship. You, know, you want everybody to be uh, it, it with you and helping other people grow in Jesus and, and discipling others. And why, why are those people over there knocking on doors trying to get people saved? It's all about discipleship. Well, you know what? If they weren't knocking on doors winning people to Jesus, you wouldn't have anyone to disciple. And, 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 and the craziness of what I do as senior pastor is I have to balance all of this even within our staff. You know, Brother Johnny, bless his heart, he's, he's, he's awesome and he's great, but he thinks, he thinks the whole church revolves around kids' ministries. <laughs> you know why, Austin? He's passionate about it. It lights his fire, man. And so, why in the world are they doing that over there when they could be helping me, he says. You know what? And so conflict occurs when, when everybody's not. But I'm glad everybody's not the same. Aren't you? We're all needed. And then number three, using your spiritual gift builds the church. It builds the church. Our church will never reach its potential until each one of us has discovered what our spiritual gift is and we're using it. Now, when I was growing up in ministry, they had this little number, percentage, 80% of the church work is done by 20% of the people. And then I got in ministry, and I've watched ministry change through the last 40 years, and that number is no longer applicable. It's 90-10. In most churches, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. And you know what? That's why churches are dying. And that's why people aren't being won to Christ, and churches aren't growing. Is because people are out there and they got their spiritual gift in their hip pocket. And what are they doing? They're sitting on it instead of using it. What would happen if everyone who is a member of Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church discovered their spiritual gift and was actively using their gift for the kingdom of God? Lord have mercy. Amen. Wouldn't that be great? And, and, and that's what I have in mind when, when we talk about, you know what, it's our turn. Did you know it's going to take all of us to see it's our turn happen? It's going to take all of us. Every one of us. And, and that's what I have in mind when we talk about Connect Class, which actually starts tonight. 
three sessions of Connect class. Before, before a person becomes a member of Kavanaugh, we ask that you go through our Connect class. The first one meets tonight, 6 o'clock. Just be in this room, and uh, we're going to have the Connect class number one tonight. What we want to see is this. We want to see you move from I'm a, an attender to I'm a member. Okay? Now, it's great that you attend Kavanaugh Church. I'm delighted that you're here. But you know what? You need to take that next step, and you need to become a member. There's a difference between membership and just being an attender. A member says, you know what? I've put my name on the roll. I'm, I'm sinking my roots deep down in this church. This has become my church for life. And you mean business about it. It means that you're going to be here, and you're going to participate, and you're going to serve. We want you to move from I'm a, a tender to I'm a member. But you know, it goes beyond that. We want you to move even from I'm a member to I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm plugged into a Bible study class or a small group. And did you realize that's where most of these gifts are used? Within small groups? And so you move from I'm a guest to I'm a member. I'm a member to I'm a disciple. And really what we'd like for you to do is move from I'm a disciple to I'm a servant. Because that's where the action is. That's when you get down there in the trenches and are really doing the work of the ministry. And you're growing in your relationship with Jesus. You know what your gift is. And you're using your gift for the benefit of the kingdom of God and for the growth of this church. And so, why have I preached this sermon today? Well, I want you to know you have a helper, okay? And if you're here today and you say, well, I, I don't have that helper in my life, that's where it really begins. It's when you admit you're a sinner, all of us are. You believe that only Jesus can save you from your sins. He's the only one. And then you confess him as Lord of your life. We say it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe. Confess Jesus as Lord of your life. If you've never done that, would you do that today? Here's the benefit. When you ask Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit moves in. And you've got a helper 24 hours a day. You're, you're no longer like Wiley Cody. <laughs> you got the helper. He's living inside of you. And then for the rest of us. The reason I preach this message today is I really want you to, to come to the realization and understand that you do have the helper. He has given you a gift. The question is, what are you doing with that gift? Maybe you haven't even unwrapped it yet. What good is a gift if you don't unwrap it? So unwrap the gift. Recognize God has a place of service for you. And then just do it, man. Come this morning and say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to be used by you. I'm laying it all on the altar. You've gifted me. You've saved me. The Spirit is guiding me. Use me in your kingdom. And then get up from the altar and get to work. Heavenly Father.